This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, you are still away, hence uh, why we're doing this over the phone. So people will notice I'm in studio. You are uh, in a, on a private island in Manitoba. Um, I think you, you're, right. you're the only, only one there. There's a palm tree. Uh, sounds, sounds pretty Kokomo to me. Like I said, it's a, pri- a private island in Manitoba, a short ferry ride away from Kokomo. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm the only one from Vancouver here. You know, when you make it big in real estate, this is the trip you must take in the summer, right? I think it's uh, it's Central Canada in the summer. Are you are you heading to Grand Beach? Is that is that the promised land? <laughs> I've already Grand Beach is a promised land. That's for sure. You can wait out for for miles. miles. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you can wear your flood pants and uh, still go swimming, like in the in the deep end. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. No, there's uh, there's some really fantastic beaches here, that's for sure. Um, but I think you know, as this will drop, you're away as well. So we are we are kind of deep summer in this what we thought was kind of a post COVID world, which is turning out to you know COVID's got. It sounds like we're not quite done with it yet. But it's, it sounds to me like the market has, uh, as we expected, and I think we talked about on the show for this summer, really hit the pause button. You know, it's, it's interesting because mid-July, the active listings uh, dropped 27% from mid-June. So just in the previous month. So 27%. So sellers have kind of decided to, you know, I think focus likely on summer, um, their family reopening. Um, it seems like a lot of people are just not wanting to uh, come on the market right now in kind of the depths of of the summer. We also had that heat wave that seems to have lasted uh, quite some time. Um, so weird. It's kind of it's it's been an odd summer. Now, of course, the fires are are still raging across BC, and um, you know it's it's just been a, a kind of a wild a wild ride here uh, over the course of July so far. But, you know, my sense is, yeah, the markets are going to be taking a breath for July, likely for August, but I have a feeling we're going to be busy again come fall. Well, yeah, and uh, the reopening continues, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what impact that plays. But, um, yeah, everybody take a breath while you can. Enjoy the summer and uh, 
let's talk a little bit about Jeff Poe before we uh, before we move on. Yeah, you know Jeff Poe is a friend of the show. He is uh, he's a great guy all around. We've known Jeff for quite some time. We want to have Jeff on the show partly because uh, he's kind of a, a regular real estate investor, like just a, a guy who's uh, I feel like he's relatable on the level of um, you know he's he's put some hard work into buying revenue properties in the lower mainland. And um, I think a lot of people will probably see themselves in uh, in Jeff Poe. What yeah, what I like about Jeff here, and this is the From Zero to Kokomo series, is Jeff's had some some big successes, uh, but very down to earth. Definitely, uh, I would say Jeff is the opposite of a hype man, right? Exactly. Um, very reasoned, well considered. Uh, he sold uh, property recently in, in Vancouver. We talk about that, why he sold, what he's going to do with the proceeds. So it's it's a really interesting conversation. I, I think there's a lot to learn from Jeff. And, and the other thing is he kind of specializes, you know, he, he sells real estate here in uh, the lower mainland, but also, you know, he's helped a lot of our colleagues in the industry with personal finances. Exactly. So he's in terms of financial literacy. I think he's a deep thinker, very smart guy, and he's a he's a great one for the Zero to Kokomo series. That is for sure. Yeah, and and we should say part of the goal with this Zero to Kokomo series is to have people right across the spectrum because a lot of the feedback in the VREP community has been, you know, it's fantastic to hear Colin Boza's journey. But uh, not everybody gets to, you know, Boza status in terms of, you know, becomes a real estate developer, et cetera. So we're, we're trying to have a real mix of people on the show, um, people like, you know, mom and pop style investors. And then, of course, we're going to have people that are are really, really, um, you know, I would say kind of seasoned investors with uh, with, you know, 100 plus doors. Um, so it's really going to run across the spectrum. But I, I think you're going to find a lot of these episodes are very relatable, and um, it's gonna—it's definitely gonna help you with your journey uh, to Kokomo. Absolutely. Before we cut to our talk with Jeff Poe, though, Adam, we do have our sponsor this week. Thankfully, we are sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our brokerage, best brokerage in town. The culture, uh, the energy—they uh, just had a golf tournament that I missed. That yeah. was uh, disappointing. Although I don't think they'd be disappointed that I missed it the way I uh, play golf. But uh, no, Oakland Realty, great place uh, to hang your hat. If you're a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change and re-energize your business, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That is oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Yeah, Matt. Well, this is a great conversation with Jeff Poe. So why don't we uh, cut to the conversation and uh, we'll see you at the outro. Absolutely. Enjoy, guys. Okay, so we're here with Jeff Poe, Vancouver realtor and investor. And uh, I got to say, you're, you're not a financial coach, but uh, you, you actually have a lot of financial literacy. And uh, you were for a while doing videos on Instagram, which I don't know if you're still doing them, but really, really insightful videos, I should say. No, yeah, I was doing quite a bit of financial literacy videos because, you know, doing a lot of real estate videos, just, you know, doing it for 13 years, repeating yeah. the same things to clients. You've been um, in the business 13 years. 13 years, yeah. And yeah. eventually I was putting out some videos about real estate tips and then I kind of got into real estate investing tips and why real estate. Right. And I kind of got into financial literacy. Yeah. And I started getting more DMs from realtors and talking about their budgeting and, and it became more financial tips for realtors. Right. Right. So, yeah, and I just kind of stopped doing it because I'm doing a reno in my basement and the market has been insanely busy. Right. And some of the realtors I actually have been working with, like they have actually kind of informally hired me. They've just been ghosting me because they're so busy with real estate too, right? So <laughs> it's just kind of been on hold. And um, yeah, sometimes they just reach out and um, right. I just kind of been that realtor financial guy. Yeah. I've actually been mentoring a couple of realtors too. So great uh, with their career and also like first thing, like money advice. Right. And we should say for Matt and our listeners over 50, that DM stands for direct messaging. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Thanks. Okay. I was like, just clarifying. <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Matt's still stuck on DMing. 
Uh, but no, that's, that's, uh, that's great. Well, maybe we can talk about like, so first of all, you, you've been in real estate for 13 years, right? Yeah. Why, why real estate just as a, as maybe a, even just an asset class? Well, graduated university, uh, had no idea what I wanted to do still. And then you read rich dad, poor dad, right? right? Like everyone probably did. Yeah. You got into real estate. And then I just always wanted to buy real estate. Like my, I didn't come from money. My parents, my dad was a mechanic. My mom was a, uh, a secretary and they were able to pay for my school. So, and it was through buying, you know, vacant land and mission and Maple Ridge. And I'm like, okay, uh, real estate's the key to wealth. It's something after reading the book. And then I started in what, 2007, I graduated couldn't find a job. So I was applying for jobs and I was watching HGTV all day while making cover letters and resumes. I said, well, I always wanted to buy real estate, so why not? And then when I got into real estate, 08 hit. And then I think I did one deal that year. And uh, I realized I can't buy real estate if I'm not selling real estate. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, so that's just kind of what happened. And 13 years later, I've uh, I haven't acquired a ton of properties, but I've acquired some properties and, um, you know, eventually my real estate career grew. So yeah, just kind of a story. So you're, you're talking with a lot of people who are reaching out to you, Jeff, because I think they see that you're successful in business, but also successful in saving money and deploying it properly, I would say, in the real estate world. Can you talk a little bit about what your long-term real estate goals are? And where you're at now? I think with my real estate goals, it's more, um, it's just more investment goals in general. I just want to eventually replace my income, uh, replace the expenses I need to live my lifestyle. So whether that's through real estate, whether it's, it's through other investments, uh, maybe to grow net worth over time and let compound interest do its thing. So I'm not just solely in real estate. I was for a whole decade. And then I just kind of got into more ETFs as well. And passive income stuff too. So, uh, but definitely truly believe in real estate because it's got gotten me where I am. Um, the biggest thing about real estate is the more it works for you, the less you have to work. And that's what I love about it. Like that principal pay down, like the cash flow, the uh, appreciation's a bonus. But being in Vancouver, you get that. So uh, that's kind of been my real estate goals and to eventually replace my income and still keep it. And then I could pass it on too kids, future generation, just want to be able to cash flow. Once those are paid off, that will be my income. Uh, whatever passive income stuff I'm doing as well, will replace my income. And then I just pass on the capital to future generations, give philanthropy, whatever. Right. And those are the things that to me is more meaningful and um, just more of an impact. So, so you, uh, we know, uh, you sold a property recently. I'm interested in this because it kind of leads to one of the questions we, we've been thinking about, like, what kind of investor are you? And obviously at different points and different markets, uh, different strategies kind of emerge, but uh, we know you sold a property earlier this year. Can you talk about that property in general, when you bought it, why you thought this year was a good time to sell it or what the situation was and how that plays into your long-term real estate strategies? Right. So I'm a, I'm a long-term hold. Uh, I'm not a big flipper. I've, you know, I just see the market. When, you, when I'm seeing people flip and they're making good money, you put a lot of effort and stress and labor into it. But sometimes I just feel if you just let, let it ride, and that appreciation alone, after all your costs, your time, you know, paying subtrades, you might have netted the same amount while not doing anything. Right. Right. So I've always just been long-term, long-term hold, um, just fill it with tenants and, you know, increase the rents ever so slightly. I, I'm not a big, like I'm a small-time investor to answer the first part of that question. I'm a small-time investor. I've never really increased the rents every year on my tenants. Um, I just get market rent once they leave. Um, but yeah, long-term hold for me. And that property, I purchased it in 2010 and it was asking $599 for a five-bedroom house in New Westminster in Saperton. And it was 100 years old at the time. Suited? There was a suite and there was a kind of a grandfathered attached carriage home. 
Wow. Right. So that I actually so was had it three, so three, three units? units, three units. I had all three rented out and then it was brutal. Like the upstairs and downstairs, like you end up being a counselor, right? Not a landlord. Like they're complaining about the person upstairs or like they're too noisy or I could smell the cooking. Can you tell them it stinks? I'm like, okay, you know what? So <laughs> it was brutal. <laughs> Fairly subjective. I was there a lot. I was there a lot. And the best way to get handy and, and to work with your hands and learn about it is to buy a hundred year old house. Right. Right. So, um, there were, there were growing pains. Uh, I was there. I remember I was there every month and you know, your friends are at patios and beaches and birthday parties. And I'm there like painting, picking up dead mice. And I got my clothes ready to go at one o'clock. My alarm goes off. I scrub my arms I get dressed up. I go do my open houses and I'm back there. Right. Those are growing pains. And, um, but Hey, like, what is it? 11 years later, I've reaped the rewards. Right. Right. So, I mean, the amount of work I had to do for how much rent they're paying me, um, it was worth it. What did you sell it for? So I, so it was 70 days on the market when I bought it. Yeah. And then I ended up in multiples after 70 days. It's always the way it works, right? I mean, it's. Yeah. So then. um, (laughs) That happened last night on the listing. Yeah. yeah. Adam's listings last night. Yeah. 30, 35 or 40 days on the market and two people come to the table both between the same three hours on a random day, right? right? I mean, we see that in our industry all the time. It's, it's funny. Of course. So then this is in November, just 2020. And then I was looking at values in the area. I'm like, okay, this is, this is worth. Wait, so, sorry, you were in multiples when, when you I bought, bought it, it in 2010. 20, so the, 2010. List, the list was 599. Right. So I okay. paid 586 for it. In multiples? In multiples. Nice. Slower market, different yeah. market. Um, and then I rented out three suites and then I was getting 3,200 in rent, but then I just don't want to deal with all the, you know, the parking issues, too many tenants. So I just rented out as a house and a carriage home and I got lower rent, but I think average, I was probably just getting 3,000. I mean, we're in Vancouver, right? Yeah. We're in lower mainland. You're not getting that 1% rule that you hear all the time. So (laughs) it's, you know, like 0.5% rule, really it, it covered barely barely covered, but I was managing it. So this was, so just to be clear, you buy the house, you rent it out for 3,200 right. with interest rates at that time, you, you were cash flowing, but just barely. And that was with you managing the property. Right. And I'm talking about like a five, $10 cash flow. It, it wasn't good. <laughs> it, you know, like, I mean, it's, it's lower mainland, right? So, and this is my first legit rental property. Uh, my very first one, I rented it out and I eventually moved into it. But this is my first legit rental property. Um, so fast forward 10 years later, November 2020, I'm looking at the stats. I'm looking at the 10-year change in U.S. Minster and it kept saying 80%. But I'm like looking at comps in my area. I'm like, my property's only gone, gone up 50, 55%. I'm like, what's going on with Sapperton? Because that brewery district is kind of up and coming. Right. Um, and I just didn't didn't see the value then I was like, okay this is 950 all day and then in January I saw a listing go up on my block and it was asking 1.1 and it sold for 1.3 I said okay if I want to get rid of a 111 year old house under rented a little beat up it's the market to do it so I listed it and um well you asked but I don't usually like to share but I, I sold it for 1.34 so you so you outdid the the comp on the street right so can we talk about like strategically, did you follow that comp as like, uh, cause I mean, clearly you can point to that comp. Like that's, I mean, I, I, I monitor buildings specifically that I can go like, Hey, if a comp, if a comp comes up and you know, you know that, okay, this is a good time to sell because same unit just sold on the third floor or house on the same block just sold for one, three. Is that what kind of motivated you to put it right on the market at that time to point directly to the comp? I think, you know, I don't usually monitor my, my, my markets um, as much because I'm, I'm a long-term hold. Right. Well, I was kind of getting the itch because now I'm at a point where in my career, in my life, where I actually want to replace some income. Right. Right. So I was looking to invest it elsewhere. Because lower mainland, it's, you get the higher low cap rates, so you get higher potential for appreciation. Right. I'm at the point now in my life where my daughter, she's four years old. I've missed out on quite a bit with, with work, being busy. And I wanted to maybe find more efficient use of my money. Like I was less net worth play and more passive income play. 
So I started looking at the area because I wanted to liquidate and redeploy somewhere else. Right. Right. So that's the only reason why I did sell it. And like I said, being 111 years old, it'd be nice to get something with a little more peace of mind down the road, less maintenance. So that's kind of why I was You know, it's funny. It, and so you sold it in February or? I think it was, I think it was March. March. Because that's like not to say the property was a dog, but where the inventory is so low and the prices are appreciating, you know, I, so many people are, are sit on the sidelines. So many people that are potentially thinking of selling sit on the sidelines and say, okay, well, I'm going to ride this up. But arguably, you probably got a better price in March than you could get today. Yeah, I remember in March I sold it. And then two weeks later, I got a uh, listing in commercial and I blew it all the part. No, I, I uh, don't give myself any credit. I think you called me on that one. Too. I called you on that. We talked yeah. about that. That was one of the biggest when, when sales. When you took I, credit for it? Yeah, I, I don't well, give yeah. myself credit for it. It's, it's the market, right? My Well, know. I think you guys did a good, a good job marketing it, but you had multiples on it. You absolutely blew the doors off it. Um, that was a standout sale. It was a yeah. kind of an outlier, I would say in the, in the Grandview area. I probably made it harder for a lot of listing agents in the well, area afterwards. It was, yeah, my apologies. <laughs> it was a nice, it was a nice place. It was just, it seemed, it seems like a bit of an outlier comp now. But when I um, sold that, I was like, did I undersell my property? But you can't think about that, right? Cause I was looking to redeploy right away into something else. Right. And uh, I was actually looking cam loops and I missed out on a couple of offers uh, being outbid myself. So, um, Money's still there, but you know, things just worked out and seems like the market's taking a bit of a breather. So I could take my time and put in subject offers because I was putting offers in Kamloops sight unseen. Yeah. Right? Like just video tours, no inspections. So uh, there's a couple things I want to unpack here because there, there's some interesting things about that, that first deal. One is why New West? Like how did you, wh- why did you settle on, on that market in 2010 specifically? I mean, you had opportunities likely in like even in East Vancouver had jumped the budget slightly or, or so why new West? It was the carrying costs. Cause I was putting uh, to be honest, like I, I really leveraged myself. It was pretty much a zero down mortgage. So it's, I borrowed 20% down payment from a line of credit. So I was paying the interest on that and then 80% financing. Right. So with new West having three suites, I'm getting a lot more rent compared to the purchase price. Right. Whereas if I was, you know, looking for a condo in Vancouver, I wouldn't even be able to come close to the rent I was getting. With 20% down. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's why it limited me there. I mean, I was looking in, um, I'm from North Burnaby and I currently live on Capitol Hill. So I grew up on Capitol Hill as well. So I'm two blocks from my parents, but I was living in a condo in North Burnaby at the time. And then I was looking at houses in Capitol Hill, but same thing, like, hundred K more for a little slightly less rent just didn't make sense for me. So it was the so, rent. It was the fact that it was a, basically a, a grandfathered triplex that made the deal essentially. Exactly. I mean, how much do you want to subsidize your rental, right? You're supposed to look for cash flow and lower mainland. It's hard to find that. So it's more like how much do you want to subsidize your cash flow and lose a month? And I didn't want to lose any. Right. Still growing my real estate career. Right. So. And you said, so 3,200 to start, you kind of implied it was under rented or the rents were not at market when you sold it. Did, how, how did those rents move through the years? Did it become easier to carry it? Was it kind of your comfort level, you know, in year eight, better than year two? Um, I'm trying to think about this actually. I actually refinanced it on variable that helped me, right? Rates went down over time. So being on the variable helped. Yeah, I just kind of always carried, just always carried itself. Yeah. I even I even pulled out 100K from it and refinanced it once to subsidize my reno on my principal residence in 2013, 2014. So real estate gives you options, right? right? Like the market went up a bit and then I had some principal pay down and then the rates changed. They went lower, so I refinanced it, pulled some money out, put it on variable. My expenses were the same and my rents were slightly higher and I was able to pull 100k out and subsidize my rent on my lifestyle. Right. So it's just it's just options. Right. right. Why did you manage it yourself? That's probably more because of my mentor. I had a mentor when I got into real estate, and he was um, he was a lot different, and um, he was kind of the perfect mentor for me. It just worked out. Back then, there weren't real estate. There were personal real estate corporations. 
right? So his mindset was always, Jeff, I don't want to make more than gross 150K, right? Like I'm talking about like your commissions minus your business expenses, that's your gross. He didn't want to make more than 150K because he's like, every time I make a dollar after that, CRA takes what, 43, 47 cents. So that was his mindset. Um, was it maybe limited? Perhaps. I don't know. But then at the same time, he had like 12 properties. So why would he have to make more? So, and then he managed it all himself because he wasn't pushing high volume in real estate sales. He just managed it himself. And um, I actually just wanted to be a little handier with my hands. So, um, yeah. And you just learn a lot Kinda more. Kind of threw yourself into the fire just to... Oh, you don't know how out. many times I had an iPad there on YouTube, how to, with a list, you know, going to Home Depot, and like, I got to buy some caulking and thinset and grout, <laughs> cheesecloth. Like, you know, it's just, you just learn. And um, yeah, I just, I just want to learn because I'm also a realtor. So the more I do with my hands, the more I learn about property and construction. The better realtor you yeah, become. The, the more I learn about tenancy agreements and tenants' rights and landlord rights, the more I can advise Right. So it just kind of helped. But I'm at the point now, yeah, I don't want to manage my properties. And, and and just thinking about these growing pains, because a lot of people who listen to this show, I think, are aspiring to adore or have one or two, um, a lot of mom and pop investors like this. You know, there's there's two things that stick out to me here. One is, you know, over 11 years, what, 700K windfall, which is pretty attractive, right? I think that's like alarm bells for people. And we're talking about one deal, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah, that's nicely done. Yeah, Jeff no, is what no, I'm thank, saying. Thank uh, but, but secondly, the growing pains, like, you know, I was a counselor. I was, you know, setting alarms to rush off to an open house from working all morning at the property and everybody else at a barbecue and I'm back there. Like, can we kind of unpack the, the amount of work it actually you know, I'm sure this, there's certain days where it felt like you it would never end. But how much kind of year over year, how much time do you think you were actually spending on this property? And it was an old, you know, 100 plus year old house, right? So it's going to take more work than some. Like the big picture, looking back, no, like it was nothing. Like, you know, four hours for the first year, let's just even say four hours a month, like mm -hmm. dealing with stuff, like letting the hot water tank guy in and learning how to like, you know, put up a backsplash or dealing with like a bad toilet or uh, actually had a, a plumbing, plumbing uh, pipe burst on me. So I just cut up the wall and then just you did fix it. it up. Yeah, me and my pops. So my dad, my dad helped me. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if you just look at like how much, like you just said, 700K, even capital gains and I set that aside. So yeah, even yeah. that's just a side note, like realtors, like when you're making money, set aside and pay Siri right away. Yeah. Right. So I got this proceeds from a sale. I took 150, 180K and put it aside. That's for next year's taxes. Right. right. Like, like right off the bat. Right. So, but yeah, if you look back, how much I made versus how many hours, tens of thousands of dollars an hour. Right. It's just of, yeah. of comparing, you're letting your money work for you. Right. Right. You're not working for money. Your money is working for you. So, Jeff, one one thing that strikes me too, and of course, this this specific deal in New West is is I think a win in anyone's mind, right? But I guess without going into are you bullish on Vancouver long term, there's been a number of moments over the last eleven years in which inventory is very low, prices are rising uh, quite dramatically, and you didn't sell it; you sold it right now. You know, five years from now, you might look back and think, oh, my God, that was a that was a huge mistake. Right. There's always that potential and no one wants to look back. But but why as a long term hold investor, why did you why did you choose to sell that one now? Well, yeah, if I look back five years, I'll probably be kicking myself. Right. Because, you know, real estate just kind of goes up over the years. I mean, it might not. But over the long, long term, it's just time in the market. So I, I might be kicking myself at the same time. I know I won't because I'm going to redeploy that money. I'm going to buy more real estate because it's got me where I am. I believe in it. Um, you invest in a stock, you invest in, you know, ETFs. There's no leverage. You buy a hundred dollar stock, you need a hundred dollars. With real estate, you buy a $500,000 property, you need a hundred K. Right. And you get ca potential cash flow. You get principal pay down over the years. You get uh, appreciation possibly. Right. And that leverage. So uh, I probably won't be kicking myself because I want to try to find another property or two. 
or even three, because I've just always wanted to be in real estate. But why I sold it is, uh, you know, it's so random. I was on TikTok and I just saw this guy talking about, you know, he's just kind of like a financial literacy guy. I'm, I'm obsessed with financial literacy. So he says, you have to have an exit strategy. Right. So whether it's like, I mean, if you're in crypto, like what's your exit strategy? If you're in ETFs or you want to eventually retire, like allocate more things to bonds, like what's your exit strategy? So for me, I was like, okay, I'm getting... At the time, I was thinking, okay, maybe I could get 1.2 because my house wasn't as nice as that 1.3 house. I'm getting 400 times rent. 1.2 million divided by 3,000 rent. I'm getting 400 times rent. That's a good number to get the hell out. Yeah. Right. So it's just it's just exit strategy. And like I said, like I was also wanted to be more efficient with my money. I wanted more um, passive income and replace my income because I'm at a point where I want to maybe not step back my real estate career, but just keep it steady. I don't right. want to grow it because I got one kid. We're not having another. She's my only child. I've missed out on quite a bit of her life. So I want to be a dad. Yeah. Right. So it just kind of all worked out in time to well. Um, why I didn't sell in the 2016 market? Because long-term hold. And if I didn't have a kid today, I probably would have kept that newest property. But now I have a kid. I'm going to spend my time finding different avenues of how to invest the proceeds of that sale. And I want to get into that before I, I do, though, I just want to mention for our listeners over 50 and for Matt, TikTok is a popular social media. <laughs> I don't, I don't even get totally. <laughs> He's been just, I, just since I, you said that, he's just been staring I mean, yeah. off into space. Um, let's, uh, let's, I'm, not, I'm not that far from 50, though. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, you're just, you're a, you're, I legitimately you're did not know that uh, people are talking about financial literacy on TikTok. I've seen people videotaping dances and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Dances and stuff. But once you start like <laughs> searching a break in the dance. <laughs> but once you start searching different things and like just start getting more of that, right? So it just became more financial. I, literacy, to, so. to be, whenever I see people dancing, I always think, what's my exit strategy? Yeah. So, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm in that mindset as well. So uh, let's talk about, here. here's the biggest thing I want to I wanna touch on is this transition now. You're, you're, you're still a young guy. You're still in your 30s. Now uh, you have a young child. You've been in the Vancouver market you, your net worth has grown uh, phenomenally by investing in the Vancouver market. Now we're, we're at this pivot point in life where we're trying to say, and now we're trying to do more of uh, really kind of the, you know, call it the rich dad or whatever, but we're looking for cash flow properties, right? Like we're, we're, we're doing, we're moving to that model because a lot of people argue that our market doesn't make a lot of sense for an investor. You have to play the cap gain and the cap gains never guaranteed. So can you talk about now kind of moving into um, markets now where you're going to try and get that cash flow? Like where, where are maybe the opportunities or what, what, what are your goals there? Like what makes sense to you moving forward? I mean, this is very, very little research, but just the research that I've done, I've, we looked into Prince George, looked into like Kelowna, Kamloops. I mean, looked at the small towns like Trail and, you know, Cranbrook, Creston, Still within BC, um, even seen some in Moncton, like some multifamily in Moncton, like four, sorry, fourplexes. Like you're getting four or five hundred k and getting Huge almost rent, four, yeah. four, five thousand in rent. Like that's yeah. almost close to one percent rule you get. Um, but I just don't know that market that well. But I have kind of focused on Kamloops because it's just it's it's not that far away. It's right. um, it's a big city. It's a decent sized city. They have a hospital, um, and like you know, just even looking at. 700k there is going to get you close to 4,000 a rent. Uh, right. Whereas 700k in Vancouver gets you 2,200 in rent. Right. So it's just you're going to get a bit of cash flow, even with a property manager. So the last one I was looking at was a purchase price of 720, which I lost out on, um, but 3,800 in rent. And with a property manager after taxes, insurance, I was probably going to get about 700 a month cash flow. Right. Right. So, I mean, not sexy, uh, but at the same time, you know, you don't have to pay the full 750. But your cash on cash with principal pay down is, you know, probably. Probably about in, 15 or 13%. I can't, sure. I can't quite remember. Yeah. I think it was about 13%. Yeah. 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 So it's a pretty good, as long as you manage it and you, or you have it managed and you, you hang on to it. Right. You're getting a good return on your money. And it's time in the game, 
right? Like you look at your first mortgage term of five years, you look at how much principal you're paying and how much interest. I mean, people think, oh, it's probably like 80% interest. No, if you do the math, it's actually quite good now at today's rates. You might be getting 55%, 45% interest. Right. But once you get to that third term, like that year 11 through 15, that amount of principal pay down is huge compared to the interest. So it's longevity in it. It truly is because, you know, you know, people who keep flipping or buy, sell, buy fairly quickly, like you need to get that principal pay down. And that's that year 11 to 15 probably, right? So it's longevity. Time is like you hear it all the time, whether it's stocks or real estate, it's not timing the market, it's time in the market. Well, and that's what I like when you said, yeah, you know, Sapperton, I wasn't actually really, I didn't even hardly follow the market. Cause it's like, set it, forget it. Don't worry about, you know, you're not looking at every sale in the, in the area going, is now the time is now the time. You know, I think you see that all the time, the kind of level of anxiety or that kind of just trigger happy nature. There's a guy in our office who, you know, it's like he sold a bunch of properties and he seems to sell them pretty quickly and always is like, why did I do that? Why did I do that? Real estate fees, property transfer tax, legal fees, mortgage penalties, like that all eats up. Mm -hmm. That all eats up. I feel like as you get older, it's maybe harder to pull the trigger. And as you have more people depending on on you, it might be harder to pull the trigger. Was it easier for, you know, 28-year-old Jeff Poe to pull the trigger than it is for, you know, Jeff in his late 30s? I won't disclose your age. Yeah, actually, I, I have five months left in my 30s. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> I'm pretty much 40. Do um, I don't think it's harder to pull the trigger. I might just be a little more... I might do a little more research than, you know, doing a 100% financed house like I did when I was, you know, 28. But of course, at the time, I was willing to take that risk. I was studying my career. I'm like, I'm ready at zero. Why not go? Why not Why not do it? But now, yeah, like you, you build some net worth. You have a kid. You have a family. Uh, you want to be a little more, I guess, do your due diligence, right? You still want to be conservative, in my opinion, right? You, you want to make sure you, you, you work so hard for money to save and invest it and then you let your investments work you're not gonna be reckless with it you gotta be still conservative right like i still haven't invested in crypto like like everyone's like yo crypto like i don't get it so i'm not investing in it i don't get stocks so I, I don't, i've studied it and i don't get it yeah yeah there's probably like a book out there <laughs> for it and I put a lot of time into crypto i still don't get it yeah uh, like I don't even invest in individual stocks because in theory, you should be researching the company, knowing the financials and all that stuff. So I just do ETFs, right? Like the in index funds. Right. I just invest in the top 500 companies in the US and let them work for you. More like the wealth preservation model. Right, yeah. Yeah. So Jeff, based on this conversation, I understand that you, your, your principal residence, you rented out before you moved in back in in uh, the early days of your career, but this house in Sapperton was your first kind of first legitimate investment property. I'm curious to see how and potentially kind of bouncing off of this uh, house investment, if there's other real estate investments you've made since, how that first deal informed those uh, investments and how, how they're doing, if you sold them all in March. Yeah, no. So, okay. So my journey was in 08, I started, I didn't make uh, much money. And then 2009, I found a great condo that I wanted to live in eventually. So I got my parents to sign on, co-sign a mortgage because self-employed, you need two years of income. Right. So then I bought the condo and I rented it out. And then 2010, I bought the house in Sapperton. Like, uh, yeah, just kind of leveraged a bit off of the first one, borrowed some line of credit from mom and dad. I mean, didn't have money. Uh, yes, I got help. I, I get it. Like you need help. So I did get help. I definitely acknowledge that. So I got some line of credit from them to purchase the second property. And they eventually moved into my first condo. And then that first condo, that which was first a rental that I moved into. And then in 2013, uh, I saw a house on Capitol Hill, two blocks from my parents, three blocks from my sister. And they were asking 800K. And I said, okay, this is a teardown, but I can revitalize it. It's just a bungalow with a basement. It's a square. It's easy to update. And then I put the offer in and then sold my condo. And the funny thing is going back to like time in the market and you, you just can't predict it. My mentor at the time, he's like, you are absolutely insane. You are paying such a premium for this house. 33 foot frontage in Capitol Hill for 800K. 
right now you're looking back like like all day, right? But yeah. back then, even <laughs> him, day, he's course, been in yeah. the business since 1979. And he thought I was insane. Yeah. He thought I was paying a premium. So uh, I bought that, sold the condo, and then refied the house in New West and helped me with my, with my renovation. And then I just kind of coasted. I coasted, kind of got complacent. Uh, and then my kid was born. The minute my kid was born, I asked my business partner, JJ Liu, um, his kid was going to be born a few months later. And I said, we got to buy something. So we just teamed up and uh, bought a condo for our daughters. So, and that was in Brentwood. So since then, I mean, it's not a lot. I'm, I'm not a big time investor. I'm really a, sm- a small mom and pop investor. Actually, just pop. It's just me. My wife just lets me do whatever I want with money, right? So um, it doesn't hold me back. It's all on me. Um, but yeah, so at that time, I had three properties. So um, now I sold one. So I'm looking to, with the proceeds from that, I could probably buy two or three. Right. At the same time, I might want to put it into something more passive. Because with when you're buying a property, you're putting 20, 25% down. You have a mortgage and that's eating up into your cash flow. Whereas I could put into something that's giving me maybe 7, 10% of my money. So I have my money in some other investments right now that give me 10%. I'm letting it reinvest and compound. But if I really wanted to, I could just have it pay me. So that's an option when I want to get to financial independence is, hey, stop reinvesting it, pay it to me now in dividends, right? So um, yeah, it's that shift from the net worth play to the income play for me and when. Right. And and so if you continue on and you and you deploy in real estate, you're you'd be looking at buying probably taking the windfall from New West and buying maybe three or four properties. And are you, are you thinking in the detached markets in kind of smaller towns or, or more kind of um, secondary markets in BC? That I'm really just open to. Uh, yeah. I just figure right now I'm going to take my time. I don't want to rush it. Uh, obviously, if it's detached, it has to have a suite. You know, just get the extra doors. Or if anyone wants to partner up and look into multifamily, something I'm not really uh, that well-versed in. Um, but I have options. Or instead of buying two, three homes, maybe I'll just buy two and then put, you know, a couple hundred K into like a MIC. Like I have some money in mortgage investment corporations. So those give me dividend income. Like maybe I just put into that, right? So if you have 100 K, you're getting 10 K a year. So, um, yeah, I haven't fully decided. I think I, I listened to your podcast and you ask a lot of, one, I don't even know why I'm on here. <laughs> but you got these big, you know, these big, um, smart, intelligent guests on your show. And it's kind of the same kind of theme is where do you invest and how would you deploy? And there's a big question mark. Like inflation is high. Real estate is high. It's a tricky time. It's such a tricky time. So, yeah, I'm probably losing it to inflation. But at the same time, it's why would I rush it? Why don't I just take my time and do something that I'm comfortable with? Yeah. But I, yeah. And I, and just to say like, I, you know, you and Matt and I have known each other for a while and, you know, we had, we, when we talk about real estate, we're all kind of dealing with the same challenges of, of where to deploy and kind of in similar kind of markets, looking at similar markets. And we're having these conversations on the podcast all the time, but I think there's a disconnect probably between, you know, someone like Colin Boza looking at markets for opportunities and most of the people listening to this show looking at opportunities, right? So it's so it's refreshing to to have kind of the 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 pop one part pop yeah. investor uh, <laughs> who's looking who's looking to to try and figure out the passive income in a market in BC overall is not is not a super easy uh, nut to crack. And you know sometimes I, I mean we've looked at the East Coast uh, we've monitored that market we've had people on talking about. You know Windsor. Um, you know we've had we've we've been involved in investor groups. We talked about Moncton and uh, Hamilton and other markets. And sometimes I feel like we're at a disadvantage in BC. But then again, uh, you know the capital appreciation and uh, and the fact that I think there's just so much room in a lot of the subsidiary uh, markets in BC as well. You know it's 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 tough to say. It's tough to leave. Yeah, 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 that's for sure. Maybe as a last question for you here, Jeff, we started with talking a little bit about the financial literacy videos you did on Instagram and how a lot of people reached out to you in real estate specifically. And I think 
Uh, I don't think I'd be way off to say realtors are kind of notoriously bad with money and flashy potentially and spending money they don't have and, and all that stuff. But maybe without focusing on, on realtors, what is something you see your friends, family, other people in the industry, people, you know, uh, in Vancouver generally, what, what is one thing you see that is just a clear mistake in terms of dealing with finances? I think in general, the, the population worldwide, we struggle with financial literacy because money is such a taboo topic and it's, you can't talk about it. So if you don't talk about it, you don't learn about it, you don't know about it. So you're not surrounded around it. So investing is great, but before you can even invest, you need to have money. So that's step one. <laughs> so it's, you need to have money. Like before you even talk about real estate or investing in the stock market, you need to know how to spend less than you make. You need to know how to save it. You need to discipline. You need to have a plan for your money and you need financial literacy. Uh, it doesn't help being in Vancouver. Like you see these nice cars and, you know, people are dressed up so well, but it's like people are keep, keeping up with the Joneses. But at the same time, I truly believe the Joneses are broke. They're trying to impress you too. But they're It's like, a vicious circle. It's a vis- vicious circle. So it's, you know, it, one we had a, um, a financial company come to my previous brokerage and um, he talked about how there's those realtors who make three, 400K, but their net worth is whatever they make that year, whatever they could save. And there's always that closet guy who makes 120K and he's a millionaire. And someone in the boardroom is like, that's Poe, that's Jeff. <laughs> People call me Poe, that's Jeff. And I was like, in a way, I was kind of proud of that because it's like, I, I did it my way. I didn't get into the flashy stuff. I didn't care about looking the part. Um, I didn't care about picking up dead mice and painting my own rentals when my buddies were at the clubs, popping bottles, um, picking up girls, so they say, right? <laughs> so, allegedly. So, yeah, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, it's, it's... You always hear that story when you're not there. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, she's from out of town. That one time I wasn't there, you, you pulled game. Yeah, yeah. Game. You still had game. My girlfriend from Kelowna. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's financial literacy. No, we don't learn about it, and um, you need to learn how to make your money work for you. That's that's the number one thing. Eventually, you want to stop trading time for money, and let your money work for you. You heard it here first. That was great. Um, we do have this segment. I think we got to do the five. Wire. Yeah, we got to do the five wire with uh, Poe. Question number one is: What is your favorite bar or restaurant in Vancouver? I listen to your show so much and like, this is the one time I'm not prepared. Um, <laughs> you know what? Like just having a kid and I'm not really much of a foodie. Uh, you know, I'm really just going to say the keg and it's not so much the food. It's just every time I go to the keg, it's always an occasion or it's with good people. Like an event. Like an event or just catching up with a good friend. Also, they got high chairs, which are important. Uh, yeah, I don't want to kid that. I don't, I don't, you don't bring the kid? I don't want to stay cold. Favorite band or song? This is a new one, Jeff. Does it have to be a band? Like, no, it can be a okay. song. It can or be it can be an artist. I, it's got to be Biggie Smalls, Notorious B.I.G. Yeah. We have more rap on this show. Real estate and Everybody's rap awesome. are... Realtors are, are angry. We're just blasting the rap, <laughs> going to the showings in our suits, right? <laughs> DMX, Nas, or just, and then you no. get out and you're like, "Hi, hi, yeah, how are you today? How's yeah, it what going? a lovely day!" <laughs> <laughs> what is one book that you'd recommend to anyone listening? Oh gosh, going with the financial literacy avenue, I'd have to say it's called "The Richest Man in Babylon" by George Classen. Um, it's not, you know, rich dad, poor dad. I loved. Um, there's a lot of great finance books, but this is a good intro in terms of budgeting, getting your money working for you, saving being conservative and you know, yeah, pay, pay yourself first. That's a good so one. That's an awesome book. Right on. Uh, one piece of advice you would give your 18 year old self. Besides buy more real estate, which I've heard enough on this show. Um, do you don't, don't focus so much on what do you, because no one's watching you because they're worried about themselves, right? Like if you're worried about someone's judgment of you, they're worried about themselves. And if they do judge you, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them and their insecurities. That's a, that's a great one. This is uh, the wise Jeff Poe here. Um, Last question for you, Jeff, and we really appreciate your time. What is something you have bought in the last year or two for under a thousand dollars that has transformed your life in a positive way? 
it's it's too short for me to know if it's transformed my life, but I just got a squat rack in the house. Wow. Yeah, so I haven't pushed a barbell in over four years. So I've, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I think that's going to transform my life. Hopefully I don't iron my clothes and just hang it on. <laughs> it's, a new, uh, it's a new shirt rack. <laughs> it's a new shirt rack when I iron my clothes, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. We just uh, with the whole pandemic, I just we just built a home gym. So uh, nice. Yeah, Where'd you build it? Did you put it in the garage or is it in the basement? Or so my basement suite was a two in den, and then my tenants left. I stole a bedroom in den. So currently, currently prior to them leaving, I had a small like twelve by twelve rec room, which was our gym, my office, and the laundry room. So now that's just my office and laundry, and I've moved um, the gym into a 22 by 11 space. So I've got a cable machine, got a squat rack, dumbbells, elliptical for the wife. So yeah, it's, um, so now it's a one bedroom suite and I could probably get the same rent I was getting as a two and den as a one bedroom now because I never increased the rent to my previous tenants. Wow. Dad bod. Uh, dad bod's going to stay. Only it's, staying, <laughs> it's still staying. It's, yeah. Who likes doing abs, right? So, yeah. I always just say if the chest sticks up more than the gut, then you're fit. So I'd be bench pressing all day. Right. <laughs> Skipping leg day. Um, awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, Jeff, how, how can people find out more about what you're up to? Probably not. not you know, I don't post much on Instagram anymore. But, no? You know, I will. I think give, I your, give, your, give your Instagram a follow because yeah. I, I actually, I really enjoy the videos you post. And you did a, a really great one that With resonated. right? Yeah, the whiteboard. It, up was, and- uh, it was the one about, um, I did a few, but my favorite one is the, it's a quote unquote, it's a tax write-off. Yeah. Like how many people just buy cars because it's a tax write-off, but do you actually know the implications of that and how much tax savings you're really getting? Right. Uh, that was my favorite one that I did because I got a lot of messages on that. Even accountants, like, I don't know why I leased my car. Yeah. Like, even accountants, like, yeah, you have a good point, right? So, uh, yeah, my my Instagram is uh, underscore Jeff Poe underscore. So and Poe is P O H. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Hey, well, thanks for taking the time today. Thanks for having me on. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Jeff Poe, real estate investor, a realtor, financial guru. Uh, Jeff wears many hats, but that was that was a really great conversation. And, uh, you know, I, I hate to say one of my favorites, but one thing, it, it was a little bit different than the usual conversation we have. And for that, I was really I was really thankful uh, for Jeff's time. Yeah. You know what? It was a, it was great kind of just hanging around, having that conversation. And I feel like um, I feel like the other thing that really came out is, you know, Jeff's a hard worker and a lot of the maintenance on the properties and and teaching himself, like rolling up his sleeves and, and teaching himself how to do a lot of this stuff. I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate. And, um, that was, uh, I think that was a good kind of insight into, into real estate investing. It's a lot of work. It can be a lot of work for sure. Well, yeah. And, and the payoff was definitely there. Um, that was one of the takeaways for me. The other was, you know, as Jeff said, like, it sounds like he had some help at the beginning, but the amount of risk he took on uh, was fairly striking to me. It was early in his career. You know the the numbers are much smaller than than the numbers in Vancouver currently for houses in the West at least, but um, that was a lot of risk he took on, and uh, yeah, the the reward was there in the end. So uh, no, great story, and it's interesting too to see uh, the types of things he's considering moving forward. Um, yeah, right. all around great conversation. Well, it's funny because when we I think we've talked about this on the show before, but it, you know, looking back, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. Looking back on on prices in the in the lower mainland, a lot of people can say, "Oh wow, well, how obvious is that when you could buy a house in Vancouver for eight hundred thousand or whatever, right?" Um, but the reality is, it, it always feels expensive uh, when you're in that moment, right? And it always feels risky. I remember, uh, you know, a good friend and a client of mine who bought Marina Side, uh, or I think it was Marina Side, for around two hundred thousand a condo. And uh, he said he called his parents in Saskatchewan and they were like, are you nuts? Are you nuts? Like $200,000? And of course, now that condo is probably worth, uh, you know, a million and a half or whatever. But it always felt risky, right? Yeah. No, I'm I, 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 trying to think of the time where everybody thought Vancouver was cheap. 
it was it was a while it was a while back now and and the idea of analysis paralysis and uh you know all, all the rest so no great conversation with jeff adam before we go though we should mention a few things one Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. Once again, if you are not listening to what Corey Wright is doing over there, you are missing out. It's just another segment of the real estate world that I think everybody interested in residential real estate or real estate general should uh, should consider. Yes. Um, so you can do that at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. That's the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. And we also have VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. This is our website where all things real estate related live. Head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com where you can sign up for things like the Live Wire. This is our weekly mailer. VIP access to pre-sale projects, deal of the month, stats before anyone else, episodes, extras. There's no reason you shouldn't be on this list. That is the Live Wire at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. We also have private client services. And Matt, if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor level information for free at your fingertips over at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. This is the best way to search for real estate in the lower mainland for sure. And I think we can even set searches up now for the interior kind of right across BC. So feel free to get in touch. It's had a huge facelift. It's a great resource. And again, no obligation for free at our site, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Well, of course, we are uh, recording this a little bit in advance, Adam, as you're on vacation. I think uh, if I had to guess when this drops, I've probably just left the island in Manitoba off of Kokomo yes. uh, heading back. We have a lot of episodes coming up uh, that are very exciting. August is here. The fall market is coming. I'm excited. We'll see you when you get home. Yeah, Matt. Have a good uh, rest of your stay. Are you in Brandon? Where are you exactly? Um, enjoy, enjoy your <laughs> time in Manitoba. Island. Brandon, Manitoba. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, all right. Well, enjoy the rest but, of your... Uh, uh, Brandon or not, uh, I do have my phone with me. If you want to talk about anything real estate related at all, give me a shout at 778-847-2854. And I am checking emails at Matt at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or Adam at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. We also got that Kokomo line, info at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com, where we should say once again, um, you know, I think Jeff Poe is a perfect example of the types of stories we'd love to hear in terms of real estate investing. If you are uh, a new investor, somebody with a couple doors, somebody that's made some big mistakes along the way or had some big wins. We'd love to hear from you. Info at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. And uh, yeah, hopefully everyone's enjoying the summer and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, Matt. And thanks for putting the Steinbach Manitoba back in Kokomo. <laughs> Take care. Enjoy. <laughs> Have a dry week, guys. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the and way. I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer. And they're looking for both donations and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. <laughs> 